The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Nathan. And this is Charlie. And we have had the privilege of traveling around the Billy Graham Training Center and the Billy Graham Library Museum. And man, it was absolutely incredible. Today, we just wanted to share some of the legacy of Billy Graham and his family and the ministry team he had around him and the impact they had and things that struck us and stories we heard that we had never heard before. We had the the honor and incredible blessing of uh, hearing from and spending time with people like Will Graham, who's Billy Graham's grandson, and others who are ministry leaders in the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And I'm telling you, it was so amazing to hear straight from their mouths the the stories of not only what God did, but what he continues to do. So maybe you're asking, that's great. A lot of people have heard of Billy Graham, but maybe you haven't. Who, who's Billy Graham? Yeah. So Billy Graham is colloquially referred to as America's pastor. We were at the Billy Graham Library, which is more of like a, a museum and bookstore kind of place, which is really, really cool. Um, we heard from one of the historians there that uh, he served, Billy Graham served under 13 presidents that they would call him on a regular basis uh, to get pastoral advice. But Billy Graham is more well-known for being one of the world's most effective evangelists. Literally millions of people heard the gospel from his lips. And and we're talking like many millions. He did many crusades throughout his life, large evangelistic meetings in one single meeting. In South Korea. 1.1 million people. Insane. Like at one <laughs> event. How's that even possible? I don't know. Like that's... That's one crusade. So millions heard the gospel and and so many responded to Christ. An incredible amount said, I'm going to make a decision to follow Jesus at this event and give my life to Christ. And uh, maybe we can dig into this a little bit on this podcast. But Yeah. And one of the reasons that we're so excited about recording this podcast is because Billy Graham and us are kindred spirits. Um, we we also have this itinerant call to, to move from place to place to place and proclaim the good news of Jesus. And so being in the Billy Graham Museum, being at the Cove, which is the Billy Graham Training Center, man, oh man, it just, I don't know, it's like putting a fire in our heart a little yeah. bit, re- rekindling and reigniting an excitement for like, man, what can God do with just like an ordinary, literally this guy grew up on a farm, what can God do with just a very exceedingly ordinary, (laughs) humble man and how he can have a serious effect on the kingdom of God. Yeah, that it's an incredible reality visibly seen in his life. And uh, man, I I think some things that really struck me while being there uh, was Billy Graham and their organization and ministry, their urgency for spiritual decisions to see people 
come to a fork in, in the road and make a decision for Jesus. I, we heard it from Will Graham, and we've we've seen quotes from Billy Graham, and we heard it from other of their their organizational leaders. Uh, man, whenever Jesus called someone to follow him, it was a public decision. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Jesus said, or or when he's calling, come follow me. This was a public. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow. Or Jesus has these three guys. He's talking with Jesus. I'll follow you, but first let me do these things. These were all public conversations that were happening and decisions people had to make. And you even see that happening in the Book of Acts as uh, Jesus's followers are scattered and sent out from place to place, city to city, and they're proclaiming this good news. And people have a chance to respond publicly. Right. And one thing that we're noticing. In the modern church, not to say that you can do an altar call every Sunday in a modern church or anything like that, but to say, hey, are we driving people to the most important decision they'll ever make? Are we willing to feel a little potentially awkward or uncomfortable in any given situation, whether that's preaching from a pulpit or in a conversation with a friend to say, hey, I believe that anybody who doesn't... uh, come to a true saving relationship with Jesus, like there's there's an eternal punishment here. And not to say that we're preaching hellfire and damnation and all that stuff. But it's a true but, reality. Right. It is a true reality. We believe and affirm that hell is a real place and that real people will go there and suffer for all eternity. Just as heaven is a real place. Right. And so like, are we, do we have the urgency? Do we have the drive? Are we willing to, to have an uncomfortable conversation potentially for the sake of someone's eternity like there there's a there's a real urgency here just like Charlie was saying there's a there's a real burden and a passion to see people make those real i think even if they're emotional but very real spiritual decisions they shared this is incredible so at the museum library they have at, throughout the exhibit of course there's history about Billy Graham about Ruth Graham who uh, really is the foundation who made it possible behind the scenes and the team who who really multiplied the movement and made it possible. Uh, we see all these things, but then they're also presenting the gospel message throughout this exhibit, and they give an opportunity for those who go through at the end to respond to Christ. And they've seen over 35,000 people make decisions to follow Jesus at a museum. Right. That's incredible. In, like, that that's this inanimate object, well, <laughs> filled with people, um, has seen a, a huge number of people come to Jesus, and I think that should be convicting to some of us. Like some of us are 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 not even willing to tell the people closest to us in our lives about who Jesus is, let alone go above and beyond, spend money and time and resources in trying to see other people come to know Jesus. Yeah. People and we don't even know. There's something else. There was these statements made throughout our time uh, that we've spent with all, all these amazing people of God. And uh, the statement really was, by all possible means, we want to reach as many people and places as we can. Every forum, every media piece, every opportunity we want to leverage for the gospel, every person matters greatly to God, and we can have an eternal impact on their life for the kingdom. And so... I think it begs the question, and and a lot of people wonder this and ask this, is it really effective? Um, These crusade-type things, these one-time, like, there was no relationship with these people. Uh, Yeah, they made some decision. 
did it really change their life or was it emotional one deal is that bad i think it's something a question that many people are begging today right and we know from billy graham's own lips that he would have liked to see a little bit more follow-up uh Later on in his life, he he talks about how he would have liked to see more follow up and more investment after people make that decision. But all the same, I think that people's lives, uh, I, I mean, you can hear story after story after story here in the United States and around the world of how Billy Graham's life and his preaching changed someone's life forever. Like it wasn't just like this high emotional decision that that ended the that night when that person went home it, it was a real authentic holy spirit guided and empowered life change that 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 really transformed lives in fact my grandfather uh his life was greatly impacted out of billy graham crusade in england um he had heard billy graham preaching there drastically changed his life uh and he had also had other experiences that led him to believe in Jesus. So on that side, I'm third generation believer. Uh, that's on my mom's side. On my dad's side, I would be a second generation believer in our family. But part of that history was a Billy Graham crusade, greatly impacted. And all that said, uh, they also had a huge heart for follow-up. They made partnerships with other people who were really focused on the discipleship side, the training side, and said, hey, what is the follow-up going to look like? We need to put materials in their hands. We need to have trained prayer counselors ready. Uh, we need to give them their next steps to connect. They would often say, and part of their commitment would be not only to to give their life to Jesus that at that event, but to say, I'm going to be joining in a local church every Sunday and growing with other believers. And so the heart behind all of this was partnership with the local church to see the whole picture happen, to see people really grow and mature in Christ. Right. Uh, and, and ultimately, we're just excited. Like, we're, we're excited to see what God can do with a humble-hearted dude. We're excited to see, like, Billy Graham, one of the things that we heard over and over and over again was just how humble he was. Mm. Like, um, one of his closest advisors spoke to us one night uh, a few days ago, and he was sharing about how Billy would step into the pulpit out of weakness, like he would be feeling weak. All, like the, frail and physically weak. Right, frail and physically weak. Maybe even uh, sickly would be a good word. They, they talk about how Billy Graham was always so sickly. And then he would put his hands on the pulpit and it would be like the Holy Spirit empowered him. And, and, and the words that Billy spoke, it was as if uh, the, the Holy Spirit was speaking through him. And uh, then he would step out of the pulpit and he would return to this super frail state. Uh, just a just a humble dude who who cared to know the the names of people. He cared uh, about the hearts of people. He he didn't uh, ever allow uh, the the fame that he had to go to his head, which is more than I can say for many Christian leaders. Yeah. That like where fame just straight up goes to their head. This is a character trait that we heard time and time and time again. Humility. Yep. He's the most humble man I ever met, people would say. And uh, in fact, there's a book by the evangelist Luis Palau called A Life on Fire. And each chapter he writes about people who impacted his life from beginning to end. One of those chapters was the time he spent with Billy Graham. And you want to know what the theme of the chapter is? Humility. Mm. Massive, massive, massive deal. 
like God uses humble people. And uh, in fact, we were told multiple times Billy Graham was actually against this library museum. He right. never wanted it. He said, no, don't you dare build that in my name. Uh, we boast in Jesus Christ. We boast in the cross alone. Um, they convinced him by saying, listen, it's going to be for the gospel to lead people to Christ. He said, okay, fine, we'll, we'll let it happen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it has led people to Christ, just like Charlie was saying, 35,000 people yeah. that they know of have decided to follow Jesus. And one of the cool things about the Billy Graham Association is one of their primary rules is never, ever exaggerate numbers. Yes. So like if anything, that's an underestimate of the people who have made spiritual decisions in that place. In fact, most of the time, they wouldn't themselves count those who've come to Christ. They would let the local pastors tell them how many people truly believed and report the, that. And then they'd say, oh, this is what happened. And right. so uh, then you're going, wow, those are authentic decisions. The pastor of the church is saying their life was changed. Right. Wow, that's incredible. And um, that I want to bring back in a point on that is these this idea of emotionalism. Um, I don't think we'd be hearing local church leaders saying these lives were changed if it was all about emotionalism. In fact, uh, Billy Graham... Actually, can you define emotionalism yes. really quick? So there's there's a couple ways to look at that. Emotionalism saying, okay, you're riling people up at this one-time event. They haven't really understood the cost or the commitment. And so they're making some emotional decision and so it's a fake decision. It's mm. not truly what they're deciding for their life. And therefore, they walk away from this event thinking that they made a spiritual decision, but they really didn't. And they didn't really follow Jesus. It it was emotional. And, um, and if, I, I think we see our culture kind of moving in that direction. I think, yes, I think it's always been a worry uh, in our culture, even in the day of Billy Graham. Um, he was accused of that. Yeah. Uh, there's a guy who was a reporter and thought, man, this is just a bunch of emotionalism. Like, is this really legit? And he decided to go to a crusade and check it out for himself. And he told Billy, you know what? I was highly surprised that it it wasn't emotional. You gave mm -hmm. a clear message of here's what Jesus has done for you. And then you opened up the opportunity to say, do you want to give your life to him and come forward and pray to follow Jesus? And that was it. I, he's like, it wasn't over the top. It Like, it was legit. Mm. And um, on the other hand, I will say uh, we're beings made by God who have emotions. We have logic. We have emotions. We have physical bodies. Would God not want to use all of those? Uh, like now I get it. You can go one way or the other and overdo it. But man, in every area of life, there is emotion involved. Mm. Where am I going to go to school? There's logic involved. There's physicality involved. There's emotion involved. Who am I going to marry? I sure hope emotion's involved in your marriage. <laughs> uh, where am I going to work? Right. How do I feel about that? Right. There's emotion involved. So, so I worry when somebody says, you can't make a decision for Jesus with any emotion. Why are you trying to split up who I am as a person? And we should, our whole being should be involved in this decision. Right. And I believe that was Billy Graham's heart to say, I want you to physically stand up and come forward to make a public commitment. Right. I want you to feel the weight of this commitment. Mm. And I want you to think about the logic of this commitment as we give you follow-up materials and what this is really going to look like. Right. We can't, we can't just assume that someone is being illegitimate if they're quote unquote, making an emotional decision. And, uh, I would also go so far as to say, it's not 
I, I think people might look at calling on people's emotions as manipulative and I, I couldn't disagree more. Like, I, I, I don't think it's manipulating people just to be like, hey, this is a real decision and Jesus is really alive and he really wants a relationship with you. I, I don't know how else to, personally, I don't know how else to respond to that except for emotionally. <laughs> like, th- this is someone who loves me, someone who's passionate about me, someone who cares about me so much that he died for me. Yes. And... um Uh, I think part of what makes it impactful and effective is the partnership with local church saying uh, there's another story about Billy Graham that he had to learn early on. He initially wanted to do everything himself. Hmm. Me and and whoever else, they would stay for hours and hours and hours and hours counseling those who wanted to make a decision for Christ. Hmm. They would wait there to all night long counseling people. And somebody finally said to him, Billy, do you not believe that we can do this too? Hmm. Like, and so he came to the realization in his spiritual growth, like, if I do it all, I'm robbing other people who are spiritually gifted to do roles that I'm not called to fill. Mm-hmm. I'm called to proclaim and I'm gifted to proclaim. Others are called to counsel and pray and disciple in this up close opportunity at an event like this. And he started to realize that and partner up with other people and it became way more effective. Right. And while we're talking about his humility, uh, one other thing that I want to hit on really quickly is how humility played such a, a crucial role even in his own spiritual lineage. So one of the one of the the, the things on the foreground of Forge, one one of our primary mission goals is to say, hey, we believe in the importance of every the the yeah. ministry of every single individual. We call it laborership. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you absolutely understand what that word means. An everyday, ordinary person who loves God with everything and loves others passionately to the point that they're they're willing to, to go the distance to see others cared for, loved, and hear the gospel. So we believe that that's what a laborer is. And it was actually a laborer in the spiritual lineage of of Billy Graham that that really started it all off. It's this shoe salesman who was named Edward Kimball. This and yeah, just to say, these are the stories you never hear about Billy Graham. Like what was behind the scenes to to cause him to do what he did. Right. And this is another thing that's at the Billy Graham Library, which I love. They're, they're not thinking, hey, Billy Graham's this great dude and blah, 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 and he just came out of nowhere. You know? And he was a great man, right. but, but it's not lifting him up. Right. It's, it's, it's revealing who God is in raising up ordinary people to bring about extraordinary leaders like Billy Graham. So here's where the story starts. It starts at, with a, a shoe salesman slash Sunday school teacher named Edward Kimball who won this who won this one guy to Jesus and his name was D.L. Moody. You probably heard of him. You probably heard of him. He uh, has a school named after him in Chicago, so kind of a big deal. And uh, D.L. Moody traveled to England and he awakened the heart of a pastor named F.B. Meyer. And F.B. Meyer became one of the... One one note before you continue on D.L. Moody. Not only is a school named after him, he's a renowned evangelist in the 1800s. So he traveled and preached itinerantly and saw many, many come to Jesus as well. Right. And then he saw F.B. Meyer come to know Jesus. And 
this guy named F.B. Meyer, he's an academic kind of guy, and he was traveling around the United States, and this he led a guy named Wilbur Chapman to Jesus, and Wilbur Chapman attended one of Moody's uh, one of D.L. Moody's meetings in Chicago um, and became one of D.L. Moody's co-workers. So we all of a sudden were returning back to D.L. Moody and his impact, which is kind of crazy. And then Wilbur Chapman also employed an ex-baseball player as his assistant, and that guy's name was Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday uh, was a famous, famous, famous evangelist, traveling evangelist, and Billy Sunday uh, got invited to uh, Billy Graham's town, and he couldn't go. And so he encouraged another guy named Mordecai Ham to go to Billy Graham's town. And it was at a, a revival meeting that, that Mordecai Ham was preaching at that Billy Graham decided to follow Jesus. So interesting thing. At this point, Billy Graham's a nobody. He's a farm boy. Nobody knows who he is. And... Uh, really cool how this happened as well. Another detail of that story, Billy Sunday says, hey, I can't go, Mordecai Ham, why don't you go? Mordecai Ham's talking with some people and says, I don't have any money, I can't go. So a Jesus-loving businessman says, let me write you a check and make it possible mm. and sends off Mordecai Ham. Wow, that shows the importance of teamwork, of kingdom laborership, people playing their part, saying, hey, I'm not a preacher, but... I'm a businessman and I believe in the mission. Can I be a part of it? Right. Boom. He's a part of it. He's a what we like to call a gospel patron. You can find the tab on the Forge website, forgeforward.org. Click on patrons. We have a whole page there dedicated to say, here's what a, a gospel patron's all about and how you could become one in your life. Anyway, so this guy says, I believe in it. I want to write a check and make it possible. Mordecai Ham shows up and they had two specific prayers they devoted themselves to. They believed God had laid on their heart. Number one, Lord, we, of course, we want to see a lot of people get saved, but would you just radically change one person's life? Number two, would you call one person to become an evangelist that would change the world? Mm. Two specific prayers, and both of those were answered in one man's life. Billy Graham walked forward to an altar call, gave his life to Jesus that night, not expecting to. In fact, he was a little bit resistant to going to this event to begin with, decided to show up, and was moved by the preaching and the content and uh, just mold over each night all of these words in his head and decided I'm going to give my life to Jesus. And the rest is history. Billy Graham is called to be an evangelist eventually, starts traveling and preaching anywhere and everywhere to everyone. And God begins to use him with this gift of seeing not only the message proclaimed, but others respond to the message. Right. And uh, one, th there's several crucial moments in the life of Billy Graham that I think that yes. we kind of all need to wrestle with. Uh, four crucial decisions, um, and they highlight them at the Cove, the Billy Graham Training Center. They highlight them at the, the library. And, and the first one is this decision, this decision to follow Jesus. The second one, if I'm not mistaken, is his decision to marry Ruth Bell, uh, uh, his wife, and uh, one of our fellow Forge speakers likes to say that Ruth is his favorite of yeah. the Graham family because she she was this firecracker of a lady who she she's she was Billy said that she was his primary spiritual advisor and confidant and and steadiness. I mean, at the home and in his life, I mean, she really is the one who made it possible, right? And then the third decision he made was a decision to say, 
that it was the it was the Bible decision, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He had right. a friend so, mentor who right so, was a better preacher than him in those days. They said right. And this guy goes off to seminary, and I've I've felt this pain. <laughs> uh, basically, this guy comes back with a very earthly perspective of the Word of God. You know, it's not God's Word. He's telling this to Billy Graham. You can't trust it. You can't preach it as, as authoritative. You can't really, truly preach it as God's Word. Uh, you can't trust it, all this stuff. And Billy Graham was faced with this decision. Do I listen to the wisdom of the world, or do I have faith that Jesus really is like in authority that that God has authority and that his word is true. And uh, Billy tells the story that he had the word of God and in his hand, a Bible in his hand, and he laid it on a stump and he said a little prayer to Jesus saying, hey, God, I, I believe this is your word. I take it on faith. I can't explain every little detail about it. I can't tell you. I can't I, I can't explain away uh, some of the difficulties with it, but I take it on faith. And many in the Billy Graham Association, including, I think, probably Billy Graham himself, attributed that decision to the effectiveness of his ministry moving forward. That happened one month or so. Just one a, week. Oh, just one I week. Think, yeah. Yeah. It was just a matter of weeks. Well, one week or one month or something like that before Billy Graham's very first tent revival that was scheduled it for Los Angeles. It was supposed to only go two or three weeks. It ends up going eight weeks remarkably. And tons and tons and tons of people make decisions for Jesus. And uh, yeah, like I said, many people his, looking back at that history say, we think that the effectiveness of the LA revival was because Billy said, Jesus, I'm taking yeah. your word on and, faith. And it wasn't his first time preaching, but it was the first time when he became famous. Right. It a reporter showed up and and more reporters showed up. He basically said, "Hey, uh like show Graham, get after it." And uh all of a sudden, boom, it explodes and that's what led to some of of more of the recognition for more to understand and know. And uh, there is a another decision that, But but before we get yeah. to that, just really quick. I just I won't, I I know we're talking about this some of you may have never even heard of Billy Graham before. And for others, he's kind of got this air of, uh, he's almost like a superhero or a, a famous person. Like he's, he's, he's not, he, we don't look at him as someone who's normal. And so we look at decisions like this one maybe and say, Hey, you know, that's great for Billy Graham. Like how does, why does that even matter for me? I just want to say, even in my own life, uh, I, I did the whole study the Bible academically thing and found myself really, really struggling uh, with whether or not it's God's authoritative word. And all of the, I just, I, I, I had a faith crisis in my undergraduate degree at college. Like, can I even trust the word of God? And I think that this is a decision that all of us as followers of Jesus have to make. Are we willing to say on faith I can't explain everything. I, I I don't know all the answers, but on faith, I'm taking this as your word. And and rather than approaching God's word with an attitude of arrogance and saying, you know, this is how I understand it, blah, 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 uh, approaching it with an attitude of humility, understanding all of the crucial, important hmm. details that go into it in the context, but approaching it, uh, elevating it and, and approaching it from a position of humility and saying, hey, this is your word, God, please help me to understand it. I want to understand it, but I'm taking it on faith that it is really, truly your word. 
the other decision, um, which actually was just before this one, it was leading up to this, uh, that was one of the four most significant decisions he ever made was wrestling about his calling in life. Mm. Uh, he didn't really want to join ministry and preach and do all of that. And he wrestled and wrestled and wrestled, and God continued to call him to say, I am calling you to do this. I'm calling you to be an evangelist. I'm calling you to proclaim the gospel. And God kept burning it in his heart. So he finally, he was outdoors somewhere, out, out in the wild. He gets on his face, literally on the ground, flat on his face, and surrenders and says, Lord, whatever you want to do with my life, I am all in. I'll do it. And so these are, I think, things that shaped his life in ministry, but can also shape ours. Uh, surrendering your life to Jesus, all in for him, that really matters. Who you're going to marry, man, make sure it's someone who really loves Jesus too and is on board with whatever God wants to do in your life. And uh, man, what is God calling you to be about in your life? For Billy, it was to be an evangelist and God's calling really mattered and he surrendered to that and he was all in no matter the cost. And, and fourth, will we live based on the word of God? Right. It's crucial. And 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 just one final thing before we wrap up that I really want to hit, um, and I think Charlie might have another thing he wants to hit also, is the legacy that Billy Graham left behind. Uh, like he said in the beginning of the podcast, Billy had this prayer that he wouldn't embarrass Jesus and he wouldn't embarrass the gospel. Yeah, he said he'd always pray, Lord, help me get to the end. Help me finish what you called me to do without embarrassing you. And so as we're standing in the cove, we get the news about uh, a recent evangelist. Uh, you guys have probably heard all about it, who decided uh, who who didn't finish well. Um, all of this stuff coming out about him, um, not not really truly honoring Jesus, living a double life, um, really in, for all intents and purposes, embarrassing Jesus and embarrassing the gospel. Um, because he chose his fleshly side, he chose his own way over over God's way. And it was stark to stand and look at the legacy of these yeah. two men. We're, st- we're sitting in the Billy Graham Training Center, a man who truly finished well, and, and looking at the legacy that this man left behind, millions of transformed lives, a, a lineage of spiritual decisions, a, 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 a physical presence where, where people can go and, and be trained and equipped, a, a physical place where people can go and have a transformed life, a, a relationship with Jesus, a, a, this amazing, lasting uh, giving God glory legacy juxtaposed with this other legacy. And it's like, wow, I know who I want to be. You know, yeah. I, I know who I want to be like. I, I know that yeah. I want to finish well. Yeah, I think uh, the prayer reveals, again, his humility, his dependence on God, his desire uh, to, to live honorably and obedient. Um, and I will say just a little side point on that. If you had heard that particular evangelist speak or read his books, Uh, and we're impacted by him, uh, God can use anybody. And that doesn't negate what God did in your heart or life. Uh, Even if you were saved because of what you heard or read from him, it doesn't negate that. Uh, But it does, it it, it does embarrass Jesus in the gospel. Um, Your spiritual impact in your own heart is not, is not negated because of that. But um, one other thing that we can end with this, uh, that, that Billy Graham said a lot, which struck me, um, some of his close uh, ministry partners said they that he would often say 
We simply obey our call from God, and that obedience brings the anointing. If we don't obey today, we may lose the anointing tomorrow. Mm. And he, he knew it wasn't him. It was Jesus. It was the Spirit of God doing the work. He simply obeyed the call. Right. And, and all glory wow. always went to God. Yes. He didn't dream about touching God's glory. So that that's a great example for us. Will we simply obey the call of God and walk in humility and let him handle the rest? And, uh, man, by all possible means, let's reach all possible people. Mm. Uh, so, well, thank you guys for joining this episode of Fuel for the Harvest. Let's keep getting after it in the harvest. God bless you.